Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Scouting Spotlight podcast on the World Football Index. I'm your host, Austin Miller, as always, joined by Tom Robinson. But also this week, we've got a special guest, WFI's Chilean football expert, Adam Brandon. You know him well from the South American Football Show. He's going to break down a couple of players related to Chile on these couple of shows. Adam, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Austin. Um, Looking forward to discussing two of my favorite players here in Chile. Um, But first up, we've got Angelo Araos, no? Yes. On today's show, we'll be breaking down Angelo Araos, the young Chilean midfielder who's just traded Universidad de Chile in Chile, obviously, for Corinthians, one of Brazil's biggest clubs. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on on Brazil. We'll break him down here with Adam. Tom, how are you doing today? This is an interesting player, Angelo Araos. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks, Austin. Just uh, back from a bit of football myself, but um, straight on the pod like a true professional. And yeah, this this is a player who I think we've all slightly fallen in love with during the Libertadores this year. So he's had a he's had a pretty meteoric rise in terms of his profile and and um, just how well known he is now. So I'm really intrigued to to chat to him, especially you know chatting to Adam, who's obviously seen it's obviously seen a lot of him and also getting your Brazilian point of view on it as well. Yeah, as you said, a, a meteoric rise for Angelo Arauz. And, and, and quickly, the Corinthians fans have fallen in love with him in Sao Paulo. He's endeared himself to them quite quickly. So it should be fun to see him get on there. Adam, I'll come to you kind of for the brief overview. You know, Give us the strengths of Arauz. Give us what you've seen of him with Lau in Chile. As Tom said, he was quite impressive in this year's Libertadores, and that seems to have gotten him the move to Corinthians. Yeah, so... Maybe let's just take it back to his roots. Um, he's uh, he's he's from the north of Chile in a, a, a city called Antofagasta, and and that's where he started his career uh, at Deportes Antofagasta, uh, who have also produced another talented Chilean midfielder in recent years, Eric Polga, who at the moment plays. Um, regularly for the national team, but also he, he plays uh, with Bologna in Italy. Um, and and he's a regular with them. So, yeah, Antofagasta starting to produce some uh, some talented players there and giving talented players their charts. Um, at the... I would say that he was a... He was a very um, talented up-and-coming player at, at that level. And when he moved to Universidad de Chile, when I saw the move, I thought, oh, that's interesting. That's going to be kind of uh, fun to see how that develops over the next couple of years. But to be honest, in sort of the first six months or so, I didn't really expect much. Um, I, I, I didn't think he would go straight in to uh, the Lul side. And in the first couple of weeks, he didn't. But once he got his chance, he really grabbed it. Um and uh, and yeah, he's never looked back from there. Really, he had an unbelievable first six months um, in uh, in in the Chilean league, and especially in the Copa Libertadores. You know, I think he featured in our team of the week at least uh, twice. Um, yeah, so he started the season on the bench, like I say, came into the side. It was instantly obvious that, and this is something you always look for in a in a player when they move. And we've seen this already at Corinthians, another level up. You know, when a player moves, does that shirt weigh heavy on their shoulders when they make that move? And, and with Arias, it hasn't so far. 
with each move, the shirt seems lighter, if ever, if anything. Um, so I think for I think at the moment, you know, he he's taken each step in his stride, and they're very long strides as well. That, that um, he's a, he's a really tall, graceful playmaker, isn't he, Adam? He's he's obviously drawn comparisons to en- Enzo Francescoli, and yeah, I just I love the way he, he you know he moves and, and just kind of reels. Yeah, exactly. He glides and just... That's the word, you know, I associate with him and what I've seen of him. He, you know, he just... You know, the couple of times I saw him, he just glided around the pitch. Um, uh, Yeah, I I think I saw an expression the other day which made me laugh talking about... I think it was John Hartson talking about Dennis Bergkamp. And he said that when he started watching Dennis Bergkamp, you know, he thought that he wouldn't leave his footprints in the snow. Um, <laughs> so, and, and that's kind of, for me, how it is to watch Arias. You know, he, he, yeah, he's so light-footed. Yeah, and with that, he's, he's sort of deceptively quick as well. He, he, he gives the impression that he's one of these languid playmakers. But yeah, like you said, he, he just sort of gets away from people without being completely rapid. I think he's just got a nice balance, those those long legs of his can sort of reel the ball in and move it away from opponents really quickly and, and make them look quite quite silly. So, yeah, that, that was kind of my first impression. And, and like you said, with every move he's made, he, he's quickly sort of made an, a strong impact on the fans and, and on the viewers as well. It's it, Often you, you can be watching players for a while to, to get a true measure of how good they are, but there, there's certain players who just jump out at you straight away and... And that was definitely the case for me with uh, Rouse as well. Yeah, and, and as you said, those initial impressions are, are so important for players, especially in places like South America where the fans can be so fickle and, and can turn quickly. It's good to see him getting in the good graces of the fans early on in his tenure at these clubs. Adam, what would you say are the strengths of Rouse's game? How would you kind of describe him as a player and where he seems to fit best as a footballer? Okay, so I, I would say one probably his biggest strength, um, and this is something I always look for in a player, especially in this kind of position, is his ability to always find space. Um, yeah, it, it seems like he's never marked. Uh, he, it, you know, the the game plan of the opposition must be to try and pick him up, but he's just one of those players. And again, it goes back to what we we're saying about him sort of gliding around the pitch. Yeah, he, but he's just so good at sort of going under the radar and finding space. And when he gets it, his touch is often you know near perfect, um, and 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 his passing's pretty spot on too. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll probably come on to his you know a couple of his weaknesses later. Maybe um, at that point I'll, I'll discuss them. But you know those for me are the are sort of the big. Uh, plus points to his play ability to find space first touch which also sometimes creates even more space for him and I've, I've seen some people say that he lacks pace but I don't particularly agree with that yeah I think it's a bit like what Tom says he, I think he's deceptively quick actually and uh, and and just the fact that he's got that ability to to uh to, to naturally find space and, 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 and with his touch create space, it's, it's not so vital anyway that he needs blinding pace. Yeah, definitely. And I think another sort of thing 
that I've noticed about his play is, is how he receives the ball on the turn. That first touch he, he takes, like sometimes he doesn't even need to touch the ball, actually. He just kind of let it roll across him. And he, he's got, you know, deceptively good upper body strength as well. You know, he's, he's quite a, a fragile, well, maybe not fragile, but he's, he's a, a thin, tall playmaker. Um, but he's, he's so good at just um, sort of manipulating the space and the opponent um, just to use the momentum of the ball and, and roll off his man and, and get into really good moments. So, yeah, you don't really need that pace when, when you've got that, that skill. Um, what, I mean, if we, if we move on to weaknesses now, I think for me, the, the sort of most obvious thing that sort of stands out is, is why, why he doesn't really get as many goals as you'd, you'd expect from a player in that position. And especially with someone who's, you know, from what I've seen, got quite a decent shot on him. Why do you think that is, Adam? I, th- I think that possibly might be a confidence issue. Um, and at, at, at the moment, he, in some of the sides that he's played in, maybe he feels like, you know, he, he doesn't want to take that responsibility on. Um, because, you know, as we saw in, the, in, especially against Vasco da Gama in that first Copa Libertadores game where he really came to the attention of kind of a wider audience, yeah, he scored in that game, but he could have had two or three because he just kept getting in the box, arriving in the box at the right time. I also think, and this comes on to something I meant to mention earlier in answer to uh, to Austin's question about his best position. I think sometimes managers seem to play him out wide um, on on the left, and th- and this is a quite a big mistake with 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 Arias, in my opinion. For me, he's a player that needs to be played centrally. So you can play him as a playmaker, maybe support striker. Um, and uh, and he is a player that needs to see plenty of the ball to grow into the match and feel the game, so to speak. So I think when I've seen him score goals, now I saw him score a couple in the Copa Chile uh, last month or month before, um, and also in a couple of the Copa Libertadores games this year, you know, that came from, you know, where where he was given the ball. He he saw a lot of the ball and playing sort of just just behind a striker and sometimes in tandem with another playmaker, uh Jefferson Seldola, which also created even more space for him. You know, we're gonna discuss Seldola in the other pod. Um but yeah, both both two in tandem certainly tended to get the best out of each other, I felt. Um so yeah. That's possibly another reason, yeah. Confidence and perhaps position, positioning. For you, Adam, are there any other weaknesses that stand out when you watch Arouse play? Yeah, maybe in Europe, he's uh, he, he he wouldn't he he wouldn't match up great physically, perhaps. So he might. That's something he's going to have to manage very carefully because I don't think he's a player who can afford to bulk up too much. Because if he does that, he might lose some of that gracefulness that he has, and uh, and also you know some of the some of the deceptive speed he has by by doing that as well. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah, he's so he's going to have to bulk up, but not to the point where it, it loses his effectiveness. And also, he's got to be careful with injuries because I've seen this with with players of similar stature to. To Arreos, where 
if they bulk up too much, it ends up giving them problems with their knees and their ankles uh, because, you know, their bodies aren't built to deal with the kind of the extra weight um, in the upper body. So, yeah, that's that's perhaps something he's going to mention. I don't know if uh, Tom's noticed anything. Yeah, I would, I'd go along with uh, those those aspects, certainly the, the physical side. I guess also if he were to make a move to Europe, then um, the defensive side of his game obviously might need a little bit of work. And, and as I mentioned earlier, I think he could, if he could add more goals to his game, that would, would make him a really, really um, exciting talent. Um, but for me, the... I mean, I, I guess a lot of people, when when they hear us discussing these young attacking midfielders that are coming out of South America, are going to say, you know, why why does this guy stand out more than anyone else? And for me, I, th- I think it's where he fits in in the national team setup. I think the the obviously we've talked a lot about Chile's uh, failure to produce young players or certainly um, to perform at, at youth level and. For me, he, he represents a really exciting and, and different option to the, the players they've got. And I, I think he could be quite um, a big player for the, the national team going forward. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think it's a good point. And you've reminded me of something I suddenly thought of on the, on the Metro in today. And that was, um, I was trying to think of a player currently playing that he reminds me of. And it's, and it's very difficult to, to really compare and that and that's where kind of the most fun thing about Arreos is for me because you know he, he is a little bit of a enigma in that, in, that, in that respect where it's very difficult to say ah oh, you can see him fitting in here or there because we haven't really seen that that many of his type really okay positionally we have but not somebody with his body shape, his skill set, that kind of, he, he, he is quite a unique uh, footballer, in my opinion. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, he certainly should be an asset to the Chile national team and, and will give them a very interesting dynamic, I think, if he does fulfill this huge potential that we're talking about here. Yeah, Adam, you mentioned the national team. He played 22 minutes in Chile's friendly against Poland before the World Cup. That was a warm-up match for Poland. Do you expect to see Arauz on the Copa America roster in around 12 months' time when the Copa America takes place in Brazil? I do, I do. Um, he's, you know, that, that playmaker role for Chile is quite a competitive one, even if you know, two of the older playmakers are now getting on. Uh, Matty Fernandez, though, has suddenly started finding form in in uh, in Mexico. Uh, Jorge Valdivia has just had one of the best games of 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 his uh, Colo Colo career uh, last week against the Corinthians. Then uh, you've got uh, Diego Valdez, who really impressed in those friendlies Chile played against Poland and uh, Serbia. Um, so. So yeah, there's uh, there's plenty of talent in that area, but I don't think uh, I, I certainly expect Arias to be to be in that squad as long as he you know stays fit and regularly plays for Corinthians over next year. And Tom, what do you make of the move for Arias to Corinthians? This I think is something that you and I advocate fairly decently on this podcast. Is before these players do move over to Europe, maybe make a move within South America to a different style of play and maybe a bit 
bigger of a league to kind of develop themselves and also test themselves. For me, this is a really smart move for him, moving from one of the biggest clubs in Chile to now one of the biggest clubs in Brazil, changing the playing style a little bit, having to adapt himself to a new language in Portuguese. I like this move a lot for Raus, and I think it's going to be successful. Yeah, definitely. Um, it def it took me by surprise a little bit because, as you said, he, he's only been at he'd only been at um, Lau for six months. Obviously, he got good experience at Antofagasta, where he uh, he played over fifty times before he before he even turned twenty one. Um, so maybe the fact that he he picked up that game time there first um, meant that he didn't need much time at, at one of the bigger clubs in in Chile to prove that he could he could do it at that level and and certainly those Libertadores performances helped so yeah the fact that he's gone to a really really big club um, and as you said very different style probably the type of player they could do with as well you'd you'd know more about that than than I would but. For me, it's it's a clever move. He's I think he's got the same agent as Alexis Sanchez and Arturo Vidal and some of the big names in Chilean yeah. football. I, w- I was just about to mention this. This is a very important factor here. So there's been a trend of young Chilean players and not so young Chilean players heading to Mexico in, in the last few years. And it's no coincidence that Arreos has has not taken that route and has gone sort of the more traditional route for Chilean players, which is to Argentina or Brazil then, possibly on to Europe. And, uh, and yeah, the fact that Felicevic is his, uh, is his agent is, is, a, is a big deal. You know, he is the agent, as you mentioned, of Vidal and Sanchez and Arangis as well, amongst others. So, and those are all players, you know, who have made big careers in, in Europe. So, that's obviously, you know, his agent obviously believes that this this is a player with a potential to have a career as good as those three in, in Europe. Yeah, definitely. And it definitely seems like he's been earmarked as, as one for the future, yeah, both off the field and, and with the national team as well. So this makes sense. And I think a move to Europe or, or even Mexico would have been a bit too soon. But the fact it is just a a slight transition and, and a definite step up, I think will be a good one for, uh, for him. Uh, Austin, whereabouts do you think he'll fit up in the uh, Corinthian setup? Yeah, I think part of what makes this move such a good one for him is I think there's a natural fit for the way he plays in the Corinthians squad. Uh, the defending Brazilian champions, Corinthians have been ransacked recently a lot of players leaving some for the middle east some for europe and there's a big hole right in their midfield where holdriguinho played and was one of their key players in their championship run last year in the brazil lay down and i think the profile that arouse is the type of player he is fits really well for that hole in the Corinthians midfield that Rodriguinho left. So I think this signing was made with the intention of, of playing him often and playing him early. You know, he's slotted right and he's already started a match. He won't be able to play for them in the Libertadores because he was already uh, cup-tied with Lau, but he can play for Corinthians in the Brasile down to close this year and then will be available for them in the Libertadores next year should they qualify. So uh, that's part of the reason why I like this move so much is he fits a need for what Corinthians want and he should be able to play right away and play well and within a role. There shouldn't be a lot of time where he's in and out of the 11 trying to adapt. So that's part of the reason why I like this so much for Arauz. Adam, final question for you before we wrap this up. You've kind of alluded to this already, but Arauz is a player that you expect to see in Europe before too long. 
what type of a move do you think he'll make to Europe? I know it's still a long ways away. And maybe when do you see that move happening? Could it be as soon as after next year's Copa America? Yeah, well, I, th I think you know, a big part of that depends just how big of an impact he has at Corinthians in the next six months um, uh, to a year. I, th I think he's probably not going to move before the Copa America next year, simply because, you know, that first, what, five months in Brazil is taken up by state league matches. So, you know, you're not going to earn a big move to Europe off your performances in that. Um, so, yeah, maybe you're looking at the start of uh, 2020 for, for a move to Europe, which would probably be kind of the right trajectory for him anyway. Um, his ceiling, if we're going to talk about his ceiling here, um, is, is quite great, I think, but it's quite difficult to predict as well. You know, we've already talked about it's difficult to compare him to another player. So you can't say, well, you know, he, he could... Yeah, he could reach a similar level to to him. Um, and at the moment, wide forwards and wide attackers from South America tend to be the in vogue thing for European clubs who are interested in buying from South America as well. So, yeah, he, he doesn't fit that profile particularly. But, you know, another... Yeah, another thing to keep in mind, you know, he's got a year or two, I think, to develop in Brazil here. Um, and a lot can ha happen tactically in Europe in that time. And suddenly he might be the kind of player in in, in demand in, 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 for in, a, in a European club. Um, but yeah, I, I can certainly see him now, given what we first mentioned right at the start of this pod, that, that ability to make a move to a new club and pretty much make an impact on that new club straight away where the manager obviously sees something in training, puts him in the match day squad, he gets off the bench and then the next game he's starting. The players, um, the, his teammates and, uh, and the fans are already sort of speaking highly of him. Yeah, this is a player who at the moment is, is only heading one way. But, you know, we have seen in the past that injuries and uh and off the field uh issues can can sometimes distract these up-and-coming uh superstars but from what i've heard and read his temperament and character seem very good i've never met him but from what i hear he has a very good head on his shoulders his biggest supporters appear to be his mom and his aunties and they vote him man of the match every time he plays, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, he, he seems to have a good sort of family around him. And, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's certainly going to be fascinating to see how he develops. I don't, I don't know if Tom has a more sort of uh, specific, uh, you know, country or, or team that he can fit into um, there in Europe, but... Uh, at the moment, I can't think of one. I think if I had to pick a country, then maybe Italy um, would possibly be where he might be appreciated quite a lot. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think it is too early to really start picking clubs in Europe, seeing as he's only just moved to Brazil. And, and as you said, he's definitely going to have the rest of the Brasileiro campaign. And then it's all going to be about if he can put together another impressive Libertadores uh, showing or... I think, as Austin mentioned, the, the Copa America really could be an opportunity to put himself in the shop window. And I think, as we've said, it seems like he's got a good and professional group around him who are, who are managing his career quite cleverly. 
So I think they'll be looking at that as maybe the op- their opportunity to cash in. Uh, Italy, I think, is a good move. And, and there's certainly been, well, teammates such as David Pizarro sort of said this is a guy who's going to go somewhere for like 20 million. Um, and I think I think his style definitely fits with Italy. You know, you could you could see him in in Spain as well. So I think they would be the the most logical kind of places for him to begin with. What, what about you, Austin? Any want to throw out a, a random club there for him? You're the dart thrower on the podcast, Tom. I, I will leave <laughs> that. I will leave that role to you. I will just say that I'm excited to see him at Corinthians. See him play in Brazil. He's a player who, as you guys have said, he caught my eye during the Libertadores, and I think this is a really good move for him to Corinthians, and I think he certainly has the potential to be very successful. Well, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Scouting Spotlight Podcast. Be sure to follow the World Football Index on Twitter for all of the latest from us. All that's left for me to say is thanks for listening, and goodbye.